good to see you all this morning. So, um, so there are a few people in our church that have recently done this, a few that are working on it now, maybe they already have, and that is picking a name for your child. So, right? Thank you. So it's a really big deal to pick your child's name because it's something that's going to follow them for the rest of their lives. And for some, when you choose a name, it's about how that name sounds, right? Is it a pretty name? Um, is it a strong name? I read for author Austin Channing Brown. She is a black woman who wrote the book, I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness. I read that book um, this past year. Uh, Liz gave it to me. And um, in that book, she writes that her parents specifically chose the name Austin um, so that she would kind of deceive her future employers to think that she was a white man whenever uh, she got a job. So um, we can choose, we choose names for lots of reasons. For other parents, they choose their child's name to represent their culture, um, their family history. Perhaps they pick the name to base it off of um, somebody, maybe it's a historical figure or um, an author or uh, perhaps even a character in a book that they want their child to grow up and emulate. And um, for other parents um, from certain cultures, it's more important what that name means. Um, and so that's why they choose the particular names. But our names matter to us. Uh, many of you have a name that for some people are challenging to pronounce. Um, so for me, I have this reoccurring experience, unfortunately, where somebody will tell me their name and then I will try to repeat it but I know, I know I'm not doing it quite right. And the look on their face is generally like, nice try, um, but they'll repeat it again, and I'll kind of change it a little bit, but not that much, and they're like, okay, good try, and then they'll say something like, you can just call me, whatever, you know, like a shortened version of the name, and I really hate it, because I want to say your name the way you say your name, like that is important to me, because our names matter, and so I, I try, guys, I try, I like, I, it helps a lot of times, especially Dominican names, if I can see it written out, that helps me. Um, sometimes people will say, it sounds like this, and that clicks for me, that helps. Um, but I, I know it's a big deal. We want to say our names um, the way that your mom says your names, right? So um, this is just a little example, but uh, I notice when people say Wendy instead of Wendy. So my name's Wendy, it's a very small difference, but I still, I still notice. <laughs> um, it's not a big deal, guys. But um, my, my youngest daughter's name is Clara, and you can call her Clara or Clara or Clarita, that's fine, but do not call her Claire. Because um, at, ever since she was a young child, people who think her name is Claire, she will always correct them. I remember a time where our family went out to lunch with a older pastor from our church, and it was kind of a big deal. He wanted to take our family out to lunch, and he wanted to pray for us before the meal. And so he prayed for each of us, blessing us, um, saying our names specifically, and he said Claire. And so I think she was four at this um, point, and as soon as he said amen, she said, um, my name's Clara. C-L-A-R-A. -A. <laughs> and so I'm sure he remembered her name. But um, sometimes we have special names for one another, um, names that kind of show the special relationship we with, that we have with people in our lives that's kind of just reserved 
for certain people. So for an example, um, my brother-in-law is Filipino, and so his younger sisters um, almost always call him Kuya, which means older brother. And um, they kind of sometimes don't use it if they're upset with him. You kind of know, he knows when he's in trouble because they might just say his name Alex instead of Kuya. But that's something that I wouldn't use for him. It's special. It shows their relationship with him, and it also shows their love and honor for him. So a very different culture, but my husband Larry, um, in his family, they use oftentimes the first and middle name for their family members. And so this is especially true um, for Larry because he's named after his uncle. So in his family, he is Larry Drew. Um, almost everybody refers to him as Larry Drew. And so um, we actually met in college at the small Christian university in Ohio. And while we were there, he had four cousins that were there at the same time and an aunt. And so I heard a lot, Larry Drew, Larry Drew, Larry Drew, from these cousins. And that was great. But I noticed after we started dating that some girls who were not his cousins thought it was really cute to call him Larry Drew. And I was like, no. <laughs> You're not allowed to do that. Um, that's not the relationship you have. So I'm just telling you, if you think it might be fun to call him Larry Drew, um, unless you're a Bennett, that's not for you. <laughs> um, our, our names matter. How we use them, who uses them, what they mean, that all matters. And so it doesn't take us long while reading scripture to see that the name of God matters a great deal. So the worship team, they just read a few of the many, many verses that call us to worship and praise God's name. It's different. And then we see in the Lord's Prayer that Jesus models for his followers, it begins with, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. So hallowed is not a, a word that we use, but it just means um, holy or set apart or different is your name. And then you will remember that the second uh, commandment of the Ten Commandments that God gives to Moses and his people says not to take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And so that's a confusing sometimes um, commandment, but I'm, just a, a, an easy way to think of it, I think, is to think of if you're using God's name for your own purposes instead of God's purposes, that's using it in vain because it's different. It's holy. It's set apart. It's so different, in fact, that one name does not fully encompass who God is. God reveals his fullness in his character and how he relates to us by his many names. And so as we understand more and more of his names, we begin to know God deeper and allow God to relate to us in fuller ways. And so that's what we're doing during this teaching series. We want to look at the few names, just a few names that um, we might know the fullness of who God is and how he wants to relate to us through all the joys and struggles that we face in our lives. And our hope is that all of us will begin to have the honor of using these different names in both our prayers and our worship. Just as it's an honor and a privilege to call people by special names, that are reserved for close relationships, we are invited to know and to use God's many names. So I know that several of you started out this year, um, your goal was to read through the Bible um, this year, and so you started with Genesis, the first book of the Bible. 
And in Genesis, you learn a lot of interesting things. But one thing if um, you notice as you read through Genesis is that God doesn't, he reveals himself to many different people in many um, different ways. He talks with them. You see Adam and Eve, he walks with them. And yet he does not give them his personal name. So in Genesis, the name, the Hebrew name that is used is the name Elohim. And um, it is, but it is not like his personal name. And so the word Elohim is kind of um, hard to understand. Um, so I just happens this week, the Bible Project, which we use a lot, um, BibleProject.com, they um, make lots of videos to help explain different things in the Bible. This week, they launched their video on um, the word Elohim. So I encourage you to look at that that video. But it isn't until Exodus, the second book of the Old Testament, where God introduces his personal name. And he does that to Moses. Um, Moses, you remember the story, Moses is born to a Jewish family at a time when the Jews are living in captivity as slaves in Egypt. And so Moses, he is raised in Pharaoh's home by his daughter. And um, later in his life, he has to flee Egypt because he kills a man. And so he runs to the um, far away, builds his own life there, has his family, becomes a shepherd, um, but he's living there in the desert, and God shows up in a powerful way and speaks to Moses. He threw this burning bush, and he tells Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt and tell Pharaoh that I want my people to be let go. And there's lots of reasons that Moses says this is not going to work, right? There's lots of reasons. But one of the reasons he says is, I don't even know your name. You know, all of these gods in, in Egypt, they all have different names. How, what am I supposed to say to Pharaoh? Who, who should I say you are? And so in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And so that name, I am, is um, we see that as the Hebrew word Yahweh. Now, it's just actually four um, consonants. Uh, in English, it would be Y-H-W-H, but that's really hard to pronounce. And so we have added some um, vowels to it to make the word Yahweh. But that's what that means, uh, Yahweh, or I am, or Yosoi, as we sang earlier. Um, we also translate that often in English as Jehovah. So if you see that word or you, you've heard that word Jehovah, that's what that means. Or sometimes in scripture you will see LORD in all caps. That is also that same word. So as you're reading through the Psalms, you will often see LORD in all caps. That is that word, Yahweh, Jehovah, I am. And God said, this is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. But that is just one of his names. Our teaching team, we got together and we made a long list of all the names. Um, and we only picked five. But um, there are so many names. Sometimes God gives a new name for himself. Other times, different people, men and women in the Bible, they will kind of give a na new name to God as like a way of thanksgiving like almost an honorable nickname, like this is who you are to me. And one of my favorites um, is found in Genesis, a woman named Hagar, who is, um, by this point when she names God, she is a single mother, 
She's a refugee, and she is um, desperate to save her son who's dying of thirst. And so God miraculously provides water for her son and, and says he will take care of her son. And uh, Hagar says, you are the God who sees me. That was the name she said, the God who sees me. That's so powerful that in her desperation, when nobody else was around, God was the God who saw her. And so for the rest of the time this morning, we are going to talk about a name that goes a little even beyond that, a God who sees us, but also wants to be in this intimate relationship with us. And that name is Jehovah Rahi, or the Lord my shepherd. The Lord my shepherd. So it would have been common at this point um, when the Old Testament was written that um, people would have associated kings or rulers with a shepherd. This idea that an, it was an image of protection and care for his people. And it's this name that uh, David uses for God. Um, David, we looked through his life um, this past fall, if you remember. It's a very complicated life. You know, we meet him as a young boy where he is also a shepherd. Then he becomes this young, powerful warrior, um, kind of a rock star celebrity in Israel. Um, he's a songwriter. He's a poet. And then he becomes a powerful king. But perhaps his most famous of his psalms is the psalm where he calls God his shepherd. And that is Psalm 23. And so we're going to look at that psalm. For generations, both Jews and Christians have found such comfort in this psalm uh, about how God can be our shepherd through the scariest times in our lives. But we have to acknowledge that we are city people. We are not around sheep or shepherds very much. And so um, there's a lot that I learned about sheep this um, past week. And, um, and I just want to share some of that with us as we go through that um, psalm. Um, it kind of gives us a fuller picture of what David is describing. David knew sheep, and he knew what it meant to be a shepherd. And so I, I want us to, to see all of that clearly. So it begins, um, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. So it's important right away that we don't miss the possessive word my here. Jehovah is a personal shepherd. He takes care of the needs of his sheep. And David here is revealing his own need for a God who would be a shepherd for him. Because he knows what sheep are like. And sheep can't take care of themselves. All right? Sheep, um, I've heard before it said that sheep are not the brightest animals. Right? They're dependent. They can't defend themselves against predators. Um, they can't even clean themselves as many animals, right? They have that built into them how to clean themselves. Sheep don't do that. Um, they don't even know where to go. They have to kind of be led by another person, so a shepherd leads them. Um, it, I read that it often happens where sheep will kind of walk around in circles, and then another sheep will just kind of go, okay, and like all of a sudden there's a bunch of sheep and they're just walking around in a circle like acting like they're getting somewhere, but they're not, you know? And so um, a shepherd needs to lead them to get them somewhere. And so they're dependent. They're dependent on the shepherd. And so David he is here is saying, 
um, you are my shepherd. And he's saying, that means I'm dependent on you. And I'm dependent on you for lots of things, but one thing I'm dependent on you is for rest. He makes me lie down. I think about um, young children, and they will fight naps. They will fight sleep. Uh, and they will tell you they are not tired, and you know they need a nap. And so you make them lie down, because they need it. But as adults, we often just keep going and keep going. And God is our shepherd. We are dependent on him to say, no, rest. It says, he leads me beside still waters. So I didn't know this, but sheep have to drink from still water. They don't go and drink at a river that's running, because they aren't built to swim. If you can kind of imagine how a sheep is made, you know, those little legs and then this big body. Um, if they tip over in water, they can't get back up. And then their, their um, fleece gets all waterlogged and they just kind of, actually they can just drown from tipping over because they can't get back in water. So the shepherd knows this and knows that part of his job is to lead them by still water where they can just relax and drink. And so sometimes they'll even create a channel from a river that's running. They'll create a space that's still so that the sheep can, can be refreshed. And so that imagery of God creating space, God creating environments for us for rest and refreshment, not just for our um, energy, but for our souls. He continues, he guides me along the right path for his namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So sheep are prone to wander. They um, will kind of just decide to go off. And this is especially true when sheep are going through a valley. So if a shepherd is leading his sheep through a valley, it's kind of um, scary for sheep because there's all of these shadows around them where a predator could be hiding in that shadow. And so they kind of have to be encouraged to keep going um, over and over again. And the way that a shepherd will do this with, is with two instruments, the rod, which is uh, just kind of a big stick, that he will kind of um, correct, right, the, the sheep to go the right way. And the other thing is the staff. We kind of think of that shepherd's hook or a candy cane, you know, kind of that um, shape. And so the, the, um, the staff, the shepherd will use to kind of draw the sheep near to them, right? So kind of correct them. You're afraid. I'm going to bring you closer to me. And that's a beautiful illustration of how God both corrects us and invites us closer to him. And David here says both of those things brings comfort to us. This idea that um, when we are scared, when we don't know um, what's going on in our life, when we're in the valleys of, of darkness, that God both corrects and invites us closer to him. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So shepherds also wore belts, and oftentimes they would put a piece of cloth in their belt for those times when a sheep would wander off. And um, oftentimes when they would find lost sheep, they would um, find that they are scared, they haven't eaten. And so what that cloth is used for is to lay on the ground, put the food there, just so that the sheep can calm down 
and eat and relax and know the shepherd's there to protect them. Beautiful imagery. And then also this idea that sometimes when these lost sheep are found, they're injured. They're hurt. They've hurt themselves maybe um, in bushes or um, fallen on rocks. They're injured. And so the shepherd's job is to, to heal their wounds, right? To put oil on their wounds or um, balms on their wounds. And this beautiful imagery of how God also brings us close to him, um, heals our wounds intimately like refreshing us with oil and um, the things we need. Sometimes we are injured because of our own things we do when we wander off, and sometimes um, we're injured from what others do, us, do to us. But God is a shepherd who intimately puts oil on us to help us heal. And then the, the psalm ends, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's important to see here that David is sure. That's the word he used. I am sure of the presence of my shepherd. That God isn't going anywhere. Even when I don't know where I'm going, God is there. And I know God is good. And he loves me. Right? I, I think for most of us, when we go through hard stuff, God isn't expecting us to be happy about it. He um, isn't expecting us to know what comes in the future. But I think what he wants us to know is he is there. He is there in the hard times. And it's such a blessing when we can get to the place in our journey, and it takes time, and all of you are at different places, but when you can get to the point that says, I know God is here, and I know that he is motivated out of goodness and love. What a blessing that is when we can see God as our shepherd like that. So I'm going to read through the psalm again. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So right now, we're going to do something. We're just going to let you have some time of reflection. Um, Larry's going to pass out a sheet that just has the psalm in both um, Spanish and English. And what I want you to do is just have a personal time of reflection. What does this passage mean for you this morning? So as you read through it, um, a good way to kind of um, look for how, what its meaning is for you is to think of, um, as you're reading, what words or what phrases jump out to you this morning. Um, maybe there's an image that comes to mind. Think about what emotions it stirs as you read through it. And ask yourself, what does it mean for me to be a sheep and for God to be my shepherd? So I'm going to give you some time, um, just a few minutes, to reflect on this passage, and then I'll end with prayer. pray. God, we thank you so much for this beautiful 
um, song. But more than that, Lord, we just thank you that um, the relationship that it describes is one that is available for each of us, Lord. I pray that we would take advantage of that relationship, Lord, that we would um, that we would listen for your voice this morning and that we would um, be encouraged to trust you to be our shepherd. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So the name shepherd is one that is used um, by David and other um, men in the Bible for God, but later God uses it for himself. So we see in, through a prophet named Ezekiel later on um, in the Old Testament that uh, God uses that name for himself. So it's a, a pretty powerful um, chapter in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 34. Um, at this time, you remember that David had this powerful kingdom, um, but soon his descendants kind of uh, didn't follow God the way David did, and so the kingdom is destroyed. It's split in two. Um, nearby empires come and take the people, um, and so at this point, um, Ezekiel the, the leaders of the Jewish people are not taking care of the Jewish people, and they're not following God. And so one of the ways that God kind of describes how they should be taking care of them is as a shepherd, and saying they're not doing their job as, she as shepherds. They are taking advantage. They're um, reaping the benefits of the sheep's work, but they aren't taking care of the sheep. And so what he says in verse 15 is, I myself will tend my sheep, and I'll have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. That is who our God is. He is our shepherd who is always willing to bring back the lost and to take care of the injured and to strengthen the weak. But God, through Ezekiel, says how he's going to do that. And so he says in verse 22, I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another, and I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them, and he will tend them and be their shepherd. Now, this is a little bit confusing because David already reigned and died, um, and it's not another man named David. But as we know through other prophets, that what they're talking about is um, that God is going to send a savior, and it will be a descendant of David. And we see that that happens when Jesus is born. He's a descendant of David. And so he is the fulfillment of this prophecy, that he is the shepherd that God is going to send to save his people. And Jesus, of course, knew this. He knew this um, prophecy. And so that is why he refers to himself as the good shepherd. And we see this in John chapter 10. Jesus says this, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought all out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. So what I learned this week is that there's a powerful connection between sheep and shepherd um, just based on the shepherd's voice. So I watched all these YouTube videos of shepherds calling their sheep. Sometimes um, there will be multiple flocks together, 
and one sheep will just call out and separates his own flock from the other just based on his voice. And so I saw like videos where they're trying to trick the sheep and they use different people to say the exact same thing and they wait and then they hear their shepherd and they come. Or sometimes the sheep will be so far off you can't see them and the, sh the shepherd will call out to them. And, it, and then after a little while, you, you see them kind of running to him. And one will kind of wander off, and he calls them back, and they come back to him. So that's the imagery that Jesus is saying that he wants to have with us as his sheep, that we will hear his voice, and that we will um, have this intimate, trusting relationship with him. When we call on our God as our shepherd, that's what we call on. So this morning, how do you need God to be your shepherd? Do you need for him to tend to your wounds? Help you heal? Maybe you need to be encouraged through the hard stuff in your life right now. Hear his voice as he's leading you through it. Perhaps you need your shepherd to provide rest and refreshment. To hear his voice say, rest. Maybe you need um, to call out to your shepherd and just admit your dependence on him. So over the last couple of weeks, um, I have been traveling a bit and driving a lot and um, just been busy and not sleeping well. And so uh, just last week, I went to Ohio. Um, my girls had the week off of school, and so we always go and visit friends that week. But um, normally, Larry and I go together, but I just went this time. So I did all the driving. Um, and it's such a bummer because the kids can't go anywhere. They have to be driven around. I'm so used to them getting everywhere by themselves um, on the subway. So I'm like driving them around everywhere. And, um, and then we visit friends. And so uh, the last night before we were supposed to come back to, um, to New York City, I, I was sharing with a friend. And I knew I needed to go to bed because I was driving back. But she started sharing some pretty tough stuff that was going on in her life. And I just felt like I needed to be present in it. But it was, it was really hard stuff. And so when we finally decided to go to bed, I realized I had about four, four and a half hours of sleep before I needed to get up and drive um, 10 or more hours um, back here. And um, I also knew that my habit is to kind of rethink everything that had just been shared with me and just try to fix it or put it into a box or even feel the pain of it. And I knew I couldn't do that. And so um, because I had been preparing for this message for the last couple of weeks, I thought about just this image of God being my shepherd. And I prayed, God, just be my shepherd right now. I need rest. I need rest, and I kind of need that, like, bring me close and take care of me. I needed that imagery. And I really think God responded to that, that he, I got the rest I needed. I drove back and was strengthened. And over the last couple of weeks, um, when I'm tired, I've just been calling out and be my shepherd right now. Help me to hear your voice and say, it's OK to rest. Help the wounds that are there. Help me get through things that I don't know what will happen at the end of it. And I, I think that is the invitation he gives all of us to call to him as our shepherd. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. And I lay down my life for my sheep.